uh, starting in 25 of chapter 4, going to verse 2 of chapter 5. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That's the scripture we're covering. Specifically this morning, I'm taking the baton, like I said, verse 30 um, through 32, and then into chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then Brian will pick up again uh, next week, falling in verse 3 on. Um, I just realized something in terms of doing some quick math. There are 168 hours, last time I checked with that math, in the week, 168 hours that you have during a given week. Um, if you come here for an 11 o'clock service, and we finish up anywhere 12.35, 12.40, you stay for 20 minutes of fellowship, that totals about two hours, then you spend a total of your week in church, if this is, this is your uh, place of fellowship, uh, 1.19% of your week here, worshiping the Lord together with other believers. So you can do the math on that and say close to 99% of your week is done outside these doors. So what do you think God is really concerned with? Probably a big chunk of that 99%, huh? How we live. How what we do here, which isn't negated, it isn't something insignificant, it's very significant. We're blessed that you're here. But especially the purpose of here is not so we would come here, huddle, and then forget what we learn, and then kind of just forget it and lay it by its wayside, uh, on the wayside later on for the other 99%, but actually have something happen where we come together, we depend on the Holy Spirit to speak to us where he can identify and highlight something in our hearts that he wants to do work in, that he wants to change, that he wants Jesus to be glorified in, and, and let it filter into that really where it counts, wherever meets the road, 99% of your time in your week as a mom, as a dad, as a roommate, as a student, as an employee, as an employer, as a brother, as a sister, as a son or a daughter, as a, as a leader, as, as someone who serves, as someone who invests time in the fellowship or goes to a community group. These different areas, we should see something of the miraculous work of God in, these, in this 99%. Because here, I mean, you guys look great. I look great. Well, that's weird for me to say about myself. But the point is the same. You guys look really great here. But it's, 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 it's here where we repent. It's here we hear the gospel. It's here we worship. We raise our hands in worship. Those are all great things. Um, I don't want to say otherwise or have you misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when we're here, we just open our hearts so that the other 99% of our time spent, a lot of that sleeping, but there's also a lot of time where you have interactions with other people where they're actually affected in a miraculous way. Now, when we started and we came to Christ, many of us were baptized. Uh, we had our baptism in late May, 
And we have a video of that baptism. And I'm going to relate this awesome video that was just put out this last week uh, to the message and what Paul says in Ephesians. So let's go ahead and watch that video in just a second here. video, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. That was just a few weeks ago. And uh, how it relates to this morning is, you know, you get excited when you see believers take that step of baptism and obedience and baptism, and signifying that they've died to their own will, they've died to their own future, their own plans, come up 
where the old man stays in the water, the old way of doing things, living for yourself, living carnally, living the way the world does, and actually coming out of the water to newness of life. Newness of life, a new way of living, right? It's the symbol there that's it's shown what Christ has done to bury their sin and then the raise them anew in new life. And, and as they shared at the, at the microphone, it wasn't all focused on just this baptism, like, wow, I can't wait to get dunked, and then, and then hopefully I'll die in the next moment and go straight to Jesus. They're like, they're like no, I'm excited to you know, live for him. I'm excited to see what plans God has for me. I'm excited to see God do something in me that translates into miraculous living. That, that goes against the grain, that goes against the patterns of the world. I can't, I can't wait. And, and all of us that are there supporting him have this excitement because we're like, you're in for a terrific ride with Jesus. You're going you're gonna to see things happen, Lord willing, in your life where you're looking at your own self from kind of outside yourself and thinking if you have uh, related in any way like I've felt in the past, we're like, wow, God, how come I'm responding this way? I... I should be feeling this or that and the other. Or this is how I used to respond to situations like this, but now you're giving me power from my high. I don't even know how I'm surviving, let alone blessing these people, for example, that may be doing this or that. How do I have this change, Lord? How is this happening? Well, God's miraculously working in your life. And for people that are getting baptized, you're like, you got all that ahead of you. If you haven't experienced it yet, it's coming. Isn't that why you're a Christian? Not so that you can just start a relationship with Jesus and then go straight to heaven, but that you can start a relationship with Jesus, he can have lordship over your life, you could give over the reins of your life and have him transform you from the inside out and have your life affected accordingly for his glory and his name and his renown. And one day, yes, we'll be with Jesus, but until then, there's a lot of other people that, just, that Jesus is going to coincide our, our past and bring us together in, in, your, in your workplace and in your homes and in your families and and it meant for them to understand, wow, there's something going on here. And it's not just their effort. It's not just external. Like, like Brian's been saying in the past weeks, it's not just we're happy people, but, but there's, there's actually the, a wholeness there that comes from the inside out that you can't deny. That's why, that's why I'm likening that baptism video in today's message, which is really a baton pass from Pastor Brian last week, to say here's some ways that, that we should be excited for God to move in a miraculous way in our lives. Such as, number one, your integrity. Uh, speaking and living the truth. It says in verse 25, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for members of one another. We're members of one another. We, we count one to another. We, we, we are family. We're brought into a family of faith. And that has value and that has worth. And there's, there's a, a different way of living with new family members as God is our Father, where today we can live in truth with one another. And it's really awesome how, if you guys weren't here last week, I encourage you to get the message. Man, it blessed my heart listening to Pastor Brian talk about how speaking truth to your neighbor isn't so much about not so much as uh, not lying anymore, as much as just being who you are and all your brokenness and things that God's working on and actually not want to hide that. You know, when I said earlier, you guys look really good, so do I. It's because I didn't bring in my sin and like put on a big old poster and say, okay, well, this is how I struggled this week. Let's start with number one and then give you all my, you know, garbage like you did. You didn't walk in and say, hey, everybody, I want anybody who's curious how I struggled this week, right? In my, 
in my 99%, I didn't do that great. It's, it's when you're in a family and when we matter one to another, when we're, when we're children of the Father who saved us and who spoke value into our lives in dying for us on the cross as Jesus did, we no longer have to put on this air that we got it all together, that we're kind of, we're, we can just be truthful one another. Like, hey, pray for me. I need it. You know, we're not expecting perfection, in other words, and we're not surprised by sin. But we go beyond that to say, here, I'm here for you. You're here for me. Thank you for that. We're, 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 we're bonded through Jesus' sacrifice for us and his grace and his mercy that he pours out upon us as unmerited favor goes, defines grace. So when you live in truth with one another, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with just being who you are before them. In other words, that, that God is, he looks upon you as you really are. And he says, I love you as you really are. When I think of adoption, I'm driven to worship. And, and a lot of it has to do with this. You know, babies, uh, being adopted is a, is a more common thing than a child who's grown to be in their teens, right? You guys all know that. The older a child gets, the, the, the more, or the, uh, more unlikely it is that they're adopted. So, so when their babies are most likely to be adopted, and as they get older, they're less likely. Why is that? I think it so ties into worship for me personally when I think about this. It's because more of the story has already been written about that child. When you have a baby, there's so much, there's just nothing but potential. You can really pour into that little one and, and be intentional with them. And, you, and, and less of the story is written so that you can actually really influence the child in, in, a, in a greater way and love them. As they get older, more of that's already written and they already have established a lot of times a lot of issues being stemming from, their, from their, their environment as they grew up. But God has my book written already in full view with all the shame, all the sin, all the struggles. When I got baptized, it's not like they were all gone. It was just the start of the journey in a lot of ways for him to bring that up and for me to deal with it and for me still to be working this day on things that I've been working for 25 years when I came to the Lord to go. But he saw the whole story written before him and he still says, I love you. I know you better than you know yourself. And yet, I'm still dying for you. I love you that much. You're that valuable to me. I know the truth. I'm speaking truth. But that truth is leading to greater amounts of expression of love because the whole story is already written and I'm choosing to adopt you still. That, to me, just melts my heart. It makes me want to worship. It's like, Lord, thank you for adopting me as your son. Because you knew all the baggage that was coming along with that adoption. And, and for you guys, too. So what does that lead us? It just leads us in a place of being truthful with one another. If you've already been saved and forgiven of your sin, it's a lot easier to do that, isn't it? If you come from that perspective. If not, then we're still trying, as we did before, to put on our best airs and impress other people when the one we really have already so-called impressed, not by our own effort, but because of his heart for us, the God of the universe who created us and made us and fashioned us. So this image that we give to the world, as Brian was talking about, was this kind of selfie kind of culture that we live in. Here's me. But is that really you? Do you put the worst photo of yourself on Facebook as your profile shot? Like, wow, I got stuff in my teeth and I'm smiling, broccoli. And I, my hair was a mess. You know, no, you like, I'm, this is me at the gym, right? I'm working out, I'm flexing. 
Because this is what I look like all the time. I'm ripped. When you look at a picture, you look at yourself first, right? Group shot. There I am. Darn. <laughs> Everybody else looks good except for me. Lord, please let no one look at that picture. Or everybody else looks lousy. They all have stuff in their teeth. And you look good. You're like, yes. Promote, like. So it's not just lying one another. It's just being who we are. Uh, Your emotions, number two. Another area that Brian covered last week. Just being angry but not sinning as a result of it. But addressing and dealing with it. You know, uh, ongoing unresolved conflict in relationships remaining over time equals... Uh, It equals giving the chair to an enemy and just have him cozy up in your living room and say, here, take a a rest. Do your work. Um, The enemy is known in the Greek as diabolos, which just means prone to slander, uh, to accuse falsely. So so when you don't deal with things, when you don't deal with your anger in such a way that God would be glorified in, it's there, but it's on how you handle it. If you just ignore it or you kind of try to uh, manage it in a way that's not according to the word of God. It's just like saying, hey, enemy, here's a chair. Here's my living room. Wreak havoc and do it over the long haul because I'm, I'm just going to give you room. That's the, it's, it's literally give. That word is give is like the give something, give something to someone else. You're like, hey, give my family, give my marriage, give my relationship with my kids, give my ex, you fill in the blank. To the, to the enemies, like if you let your anger go, you know, indefinitely and not deal with it because there's a root cause that God wants to bring out and heal, then it's just like saying, enemy, just take a seat. Have havoc in my life. Conversely, if we deal with it, as we're going to be described in how, in just these upcoming verses, then you won't. You'll give the Holy Spirit room and you'll say, have a seat. Let your peace pervade here. So, that's emotions. Uh, Praise God. Jesus heals and sets us free from the ongoing hurts, angers, and bitterness that comes with anger. Uh, The third area is your work, as Brian covered last week. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is working in order to give instead of stealing. It's better to give than receive. It's a whole lot better to give than to steal. All right? Be a contributing factor. We matter one to another. So church in Ephesus, Jew and Gentile coming together, outserve each other, outgive each other. Make it your aim to be a, a giver instead of a taker. Don't just depend on other people. Work hard. There's value there. He's like, I want you to live miraculously in this way. The fourth area was your words. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up. as fits the occasion. It may give grace to those who hear. So it's not using your tongue in ways that hurt or tear down, but that build up and bring grace. Now, what's grace mean, you guys? If we're to uh, build up that it may give grace to those who hear, then our speech, what we communicate, should be filled with unmerited favor. Now, this is really key. If everyone was 100% obedient, and pure, then we could wait and expect them to treat us appropriately. But when people are 100% sinful, 
we should expect them to let us down and hurt us at some point, right? Hopefully not, but it does happen. In that time, if you were to say, my goal is to be obedient to the Word of God here, you would say, even despite what they're doing is wrong, I'm still going to impart grace to them, which means it's unmerited. There's a key there. You married folk, especially, let it highlight on your Bible page this truth, that grace is unmerited favor. You've received it from God already. You can impart that to your spouse miraculously through the power of the Holy Spirit who wants you to as evidenced by this verse. Can you imagine God saying, let no, uncorrupt, or let no corrupt cop come out of your mouths and impart grace, but I'm, not, I'm just going to sit back and see how you do without, your parent, without me providing power in any way. He doesn't do that. These are commands, but they're supposed to be commands that we receive in the power of the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to obey them. So he wants to do that. Okay, so this week we're going to cover 5 and 6. 5 and 6. The next one, verse 30 and 31, is your attitudes. How, how the Lord brings transformation, restorative healing, to this area of your attitudes and then through you to affect other people for the better. Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So it says, don't grieve the spirit. This is lupeo in the Greek. It's, it, it means to make sorrowful, to cause grief, and to offend. It's the same word as in a couple places in Matthew. Check this out. In Matthew 19, Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. You guys are familiar with this story? What was it that made him sad was that Jesus said, you know, he's like, I have, I've obeyed the law. In fact, I've done a really good job at it. And Jesus didn't argue with that. But he did say, okay, that's all true. Now it's time to give away your possessions because there are many and you're rich. And it says that the man went away sad and sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. It's the same word grieve, to bum somebody out, to literally be bummed out. Matthew 26, when Jesus said to his disciples, talk about being cut to the heart. Jesus was with his disciples and he said, one of you will betray me. And it says, they left very sorrowful. Can you imagine, you know, you're looking at your Lord and your Savior, and he's like, one of you is going to betray me. And they were that same word, grieve. So here he's like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't leave that feeling with the Holy Spirit produced by not doing these things which I'm telling you to do, to avoid these things, to, to make it your aim, to bless, even when it's unmerited. These are the same ways. So, so the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. He's part of the Trinity, third part of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, able to comfort you and able to be grieved. So it kind of changes or kind of maybe a little fine-tunes a little bit for all of us how the Holy Spirit works. He's very personable. Do you get that? Very personable. He approaches us on a personal level, though he's spirit. So he's pleased and glorified when we do not grieve him. God is glorified. Okay, in the scripture it says, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It says the Holy Spirit of God as we were sealed by him. It also says this in Ephesians 1.13, and this basically just means we're marked with a seal and we're stamped as his children that we belong to him. Now, why would Paul tell us two times that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit? And I think, I believe, there's a few different reasons. One is that, just to remind us that the Spirit is present with us. Like I said, he just doesn't say, do this, good luck. 
He says, do this, and the Holy Spirit's in you, E-N in the Greek, in you, as well as upon you and with you. He's real. The Holy Spirit is real, powerful, with you, all the time, sent as the great comforter. Jesus says, better than I leave, that I could send the helper, my Father can send the helper to you. He's real. He's also active. He's at work. He's doing something. He's glorifying Jesus. He's working in the lives of you and your loved ones and those who don't know the Lord. He is God. Just to realize you have God with you is an amazing way to melt your heart towards doing these things, miraculous living. He's protecting us. He's marking us as identified in him. He's giving us our true identity as a child of God. Two more things. He's leading us to the final deliverance, the redemption, our salvation. The, re- the word redemption is a very much a business term. It means you're going to pay for something at a cost. So he's like, you're sealed, right? Sealed for the day of redemption when Jesus has. He's already purchased us, yes, yet, but there's going to be a fulfillment of that in its fullness still to come. He's like, the Spirit is with you in part saying, this is a child of God. We don't have to question that anymore. We just are. We're his children. And one day, that final redemption will happen. There will be a day we will come into the fullness of what it means to be his child. And what a glorious day that will be. In the meantime, does he want his children just to wait around and kind of say, well, one day when I die, then I'll be better? No. He says, I want my children to glorify me now because I'm with them. My Holy Spirit's in them. God in you. Right? It's a whole different way of looking at your challenges and your relationships. And finally, it's just reassuring us of Jesus' work, which is sufficient. Now, talk about transforming our attitudes. It's the basis of all behavior changes. God is with us. He's desiring for us to lay down our arms, relationally speaking, in this. He transforms us. He humbles us. He motivates us. He encourages us to put away from us things like what? Look at the list, you guys. Bitterness, wrath, Anger, verbal brawling, slander or evil speaking, and malice. That word for malice is kakia, which means ill will, desire to injure. Man, you ever been hurt to the point where you want to, you want to hurt somebody? You know you can't. Some people act on that. It's called hatred. It's just as bad as murder in the Lord, Lord's eyes, according to his word. But, but just wishing ill will. It's hard to rejoice in your enemy's successes, isn't it? It's hard, it's hard when somebody stomps on you to get ahead and they get blessed in the process, in the temporal sense. You just, you just can't like, oh, that's so great, praise the Lord, right? I'm so happy. Or someone really disses you relationally or leaves you to the curb or just takes off or you feel used or abused by them and then they just kind of dis, just they're off somewhere else and they kind of forgotten you. And you're left reeling with that, thinking they don't even think about me, let alone care how they've hurt me. And yet, and yet, God wants us to not speak ill will of them, not wanting their injury, but blessing of his own presence. He wants us to set bitterness far away as we possibly can with them and to have it dealt with. So we're going to look in the next verse or two. So this is really real life, you guys. This is in the 99%. This is why we're going over this stuff. This is why the Holy Spirit illuminates it for us in this text so we can be reminded there's a different way of living that goes contrary to how we respond normally in our flesh. And it's a wonderful free place to live where you're not stuck in some prison cell with limited stuff to eat in a hard mattress, but in a penthouse where you can rise above these things in the Lord and Spirit's power where you actually aren't brought down low, but you actually speak blessing one to your enemies. See, it happens in us. It affects our neighbors, as Brian was saying last week, 
ultimately reaches our enemies in our attitudes and our actions towards them. It transforms our attitudes. So bitterness, man, you want a, you want a homework assignment? That's an amazing passage is go to Hebrews 12 and see what happens when you don't deal with your anger before the sun goes down time after time. See what happens when bitterness comes up. You know what it says? It says it defiles many when it comes up finally. It's like a root underground. When it comes up, it's going to defile not just you and your attitudes being bad and off, but those around you. And it actually goes so far as to say there's going to be many people that are affected by it. Negatively, not as the Lord would have. Wrath, James 1.19. Turn over to James 1.19 and 20 real quick. Wrath and anger. You know, thinking about different scriptures that relate to these things. It's right after Hebrews, and Hebrews is a big book. 119 and 20. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, this is James. He says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Your wrath does not produce in and of itself the righteousness of God. But look at this. He says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now, when you're really hurting, when you've really felt it in the gut, you feel like you've been kicked in the gut, how hard is it to be slow to speak, right? When you're in the middle of an argument with another person, don't you want to, you just can't wait for them to finish their sentence so you can get, and sometimes you don't even wait, you just cut them off. No, you don't understand. Let me tell you my side of things. This is why I'm justified in how I feel right now. You know, you need to understand what the truth is, you know, those kind of things. Gosh, how well does that work, guys, when you're talking to your wife and you cut her off? with your own defense of your behavior. How well does that work? Not well. Not well. doesn't work at all, in fact. Uh, gals, how, how, how effective is it when you talk to your husband and cut him down and speak rudely of him in the middle of an argument? What does he do? Oh, honey, you're so right. Thank you for pointing that out again. No, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything, but it prolongs the process, which God wants to bring towards a direction of healing. That's why something miraculous when people get baptized, you're like, just hold on. When you feel at your worst and you feel like you're in the flesh and you feel like you've been hurt and wronged and et cetera, et cetera, in the middle of your most heated feelings and pain, God will step in at times, Lord willing, he will step in and will have you actually not respond as you would normally respond, but surprise even yourself on your action being like God's, like Christ. That's when life's fun. That's when life's a lot of fun. When we were singing that ocean song, uh, Spirit Lead Me, you know, my feet uh, to a place without borders. You know, I was talking to Jesse who was singing up here the, this morning. I didn't mention this first service, but I will to you. It was really great. She said, you know, when we sing that song, it's like, yeah, Lord, send me to the mission field, you know, where, the, where there's no borders to my faith, right? Deepen it. You're with me. But this is where the road meets the Remember, it's a road in a lot of cases where it's like, Lord, lead me into trusting you to actually not go as my feelings would lead me, but let me go into the borders where you go, where you actually forgave someone like Judas. Chew on that for a little bit. Or the disciples that deserted him. Or the Romans that threw nails, drove nails through his hands and his feet. You know, that's the kind of miraculous forgiveness we're talking about. We're not just talking about easy forgiveness. We're talking about the hardest of the hardest, where you've been let down left in the side of the road with just very little breath in your lungs, being able to cry out to God and say, God, somehow, give me back my feet. And somehow, Lord, you're going to give me the power to forgive them. I don't have it in myself. I'm not going to try. 
But Lord, I'm going to turn to you and obey your word and trust you with the results. And guys, gals, that's when it gets glorious. Because you're free from all that bitterness and wrath and pain. I've shared this before. I've had relationships where I literally, people have just kind of questioned me along the way. Like, how can you not be angry? I'm like, you know, the only thing I can tell you is that the Lord has freed me from it. Because no other explanation. We're talking about the apple of my eye being hurt, and I don't have the pain and retribution feelings that I normally would. And all I can say is that Jesus is real, and he's working through his Holy Spirit to give me strength, because I don't deserve the credit in this. But I tell you what, I'm really basking in the fact that I don't have to wake up in a prison with a key next to me, sitting down in the same cot as I'm on, with a locked cell, and I won't, I, won't, I won't trust the Lord to get up with that key and unlock the door so I can live freely like Jesus intended. It's for freedom that you've been made free. That's his intention for you, to not be in prisons of bitterness and wrath and all this junk that just makes things worse. And the Lord will deal with the sin. You're not letting it go like a judge would say, eh, I knew you blew it, you weren't, you weren't, you know, thinking right, so just leave the court and you're free to go. And we're like, what? He murdered five people. How can you just let him go? There's a justice that happened on the cross so Jesus could forgive you of your sin, but still the cost has been paid for that sin. So it's a very righteous act that God lets us go free. Do you do that for other people that have hurt you like Jesus did for your own self? That's the challenge to me. That's the challenge to you guys. This isn't small things. This is the most depth of our soul and our hearts to be able to live this way. But when you experience the deliverance and freedom from the Holy Spirit who's rising you above those natural responses, boy, howdy, life is good. Life is good. And we all know people that have given over to those carnal feelings over the long haul, and they're bitter, and they don't, they're not very attractive people. Because it's, it's all gross focus on gross stuff, even if in the initial time they were justif- justified in it. You guys with me? You see the beauty of the gospel is it transforms our attitudes to the point where we can actually be gracious and merciful to other people. Why? Because we realize how gracious and merciful God has been to us first. Okay, your actions. Last thing. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Boy, good night, shut your Bible, highlight that and be out of here. Live the 99%, just forgive as God and Christ forgave you. What powerful words. Can you imagine your God just saying, okay, I'm going to add this through Paul. That'll get their attention. Because it's so crazy to think about. Really, God, you're going to tell me to do that? To forgive as God in Christ forgave me? Really? Okay, if he did something that crazy by putting in his word, he must be available in the power of the Holy Spirit to give you what you need to do it. Amen? Is it impossible for the saints of God to forgive the most heinous of things? Just spend a little bit of time with saints that forgave Nazis as Jews that knew the Lord Jesus and were able to forgive. Corey Ten Boom, stories like that. Well, um, the gentleman just passed away, uh, Louis Zamperini. Did you guys read the book, Unbroken? You know, he's 97, I think. Is that right, sweetie? Uh, 97 when he died this past week. And uh, he was tortured and tortured and tortured and more torturing and more heinous torturing that's described in the book, Unbroken, by his Japanese captors during World War II. And he went back after coming to the Lord and went back to some of those same people, in fact, the one he hated the most, and said, I forgive you. Forgive you. It's like, man, he didn't sit in a prison cell, did he? 
when he forgave them. He was let out of the prison cell for his own benefit. Live selfishly in this way, guys. It's not worth it. What a glorious testimony of Jesus' power. So your attitudes. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by doing these things. Let it go. Give it to the Lord, and you won't have bitterness. You won't have wrath. You won't have anger. At least it may be present, but it's not going to control your actions. You don't have to backbite people and say, well, if you really knew that person, you wouldn't think so highly of him because this is what happened to me. Or, you know that leader? He's not as great as you think. Yeah, he can preach a good message, but if you only knew what he did when he wasn't preaching, hey, guys, we hurt each other. We're, we're a mess for the most part. But you know what? God's doing a cool work. And you have to give people the opportunity to grow. And you have to allow God to do a work in their lives over the long haul. Not just expect perfection now, but give them grace to grow and be sinful. As we say, no one's sin-free. We're all sinful. You've got to give them time to grow. You can't pigeonhole people into, well, that's how they are. Because God's, if he's in them, his Holy Spirit's doing the work as he's in yours. Aren't you glad 20 years ago you weren't pigeonhole yourself, hopefully in other people's image of you? Ah, James, we know him. That was 20 years ago. I'm different. Have you ever apologized for stuff you did 20 years ago? The glorious thing is you get to say, I'm not the same person. I'm sorry I hurt you. It's a glorious thing. Okay. Time's getting short. I want, I want to just go over this list. Flesh, old man, in light of verse uh, 1 and 2 where it says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us gave himself for us, and offering a sacrifice to God as a sweet-swelling aroma. You know, if we're going to imitate God, and that word just does mean imitate, and you look at Christ and you consider how he was with Judas, who he fed, who he taught, he didn't belittle him in public, he didn't um, kick him out, he didn't even overreact when he kissed him on the cheek or took money from the from the bags that were meant for others. You know, when Judas comes up and gives Jesus a kiss on the cheek and Jesus doesn't give him a roundhouse to the to the chin, that tells me there's something else controlling Jesus, our Savior. And it's possible for us too. Because can you imagine, you're, you're, you're one who's betraying you, comes and gives you a kiss. That's in the scripture account so that we can marvel in the fact that Jesus can do things that we can't in the flesh. Right? Kissed on the cheek and didn't clock him. Um, that's just to me is like the epitome of how Jesus is. And that's our example, okay? So here's the flesh, how he would... <laughs> If flesh is how you would respond as far as a roundhouse, this is new man, how we're called to live by Paul here, okay? So if you've been offended, if you're dealing with hurt, dealing with sin, dealing with whatever, okay, the Judases of your life, if you will, or even down the list of not so bad as Judas, if we were to rank sin, here's flesh, okay? We would harden our heart. Spirit, heart stays soft and kind towards those who hurt us. Uh, Flesh, writes others off who hurt us. Uh, Spirit, forgives them. Uh, Flesh, stays distant emotionally. It'll, it'll get close again. Uh, spirit, new man, us with the Holy Spirit allows us to bring them close relationally, even despite past hurts. Uh, flesh, hopeless amidst offenses. Spirit, hopeful amidst offenses because we're being transformed. Uh, flesh, feeling owed, and until the person pays, no love will come from me. Spirit, I love even if others don't repent, being my enemies. Okay? Even if they don't repent, you're, you're blessing the Father's heart when you do that. Flesh, I'm going to pay him back or her. 
I'm going I'm to have retribution. Uh, spirit, I recognize it's been paid in full on the cross, and that's sufficient. The flesh, filled with wrath. The spirit, peace-filled. The flesh, give up hope in future relationships. The spirit welcomes new relationships, trusting Jesus with them. The flesh, you're going to backbite. You're going to slander. The spirit, speak blessing upon. Speak value in them despite sin. Speak blessing upon. You know you've been healed of hurts in the miraculous way by the Lord Jesus when you can pray in your prayer times, blessing upon someone else. Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. Silent treatment, cold shoulder. Spirit, break, or break the silence with an apology or a peace offering. Sabotage future relationships before we get hurt again. Pour into future relationships with good and blessing despite the risk of future letdown in your relationships. Two more. You keep a record of wrongs over here and you remind yourselves often of it. In the flesh, in the spirit, you resist bringing up past failures and you keep short accounts. Even if they do the same thing over and over again. And lastly, you refuse to pray for the offender again and in the spirit, you pray for them as often as God would bring them to mind. Now, what list do you want to live in? One equals prison and heartache and pain, and you get crumpled faces, literally, that are ugly. I'll say it, ugly. It comes from the heart, it comes out. But live in this area of the new spirit, which is possible only through the spirit, then you have freedom, life, lightness about your countenance. And other people marvel how it's possible. So how do you do it? Well, you consider Christ. You look to Christ. You pray to Christ. You follow Christ. You trust in Christ. You glorify Christ. You imitate Christ. And you believe in Christ to give you the feelings that you don't have in the moment. Amen? It's all about him. Um, in closing, I, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday at our um, 4th of July or two days ago. And we were talking about, he was called upon, a good friend of mine, was called upon to share at a funeral of his grandfather. And it was just this total spur of the moment um, he didn't know he was going to share it all at the funeral. And uh, he had an opportunity. One of his cousins said, hey, the, the preacher didn't show up for the funeral. You got to get up there and say something because he's religious. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I would like this. And um, so anyways, he gets up there and he's like, you know, I got up there and I remember it was either you or Brian uh, in, in years past. He says, one of you told me, you know, he's standing in front of a coffin and he's like, you know, this is, this is our, all of our future. I mean, we're all going to die unless the Lord comes back. We're all going to die. We're all going to end up here. So is this what it's all about? That was his point. Laying in a box, dead. And then people come and then bury you. Is that, is that all there is to life? Okay. In that context, he said, he remembered what I, what I or Brian had reminded him that, hey, if, when you die and you go to be with Jesus and you get the full unhindered view of a risen Savior who died lost sinners when, when, you're, when you're in his presence and you're thinking my funeral is going on right now do you want the funeral to all be about you or do you want the funeral to be all about him and when you consider how gracious and loving and merciful is the savior and that you're going to be with him one day it sets your heart up to forgive and to be merciful and gracious with those that hurt you and God may be pricking you in different areas. And we have prayer people over here by the cross after if you want to pray as we have the worship team come up. And I just say, hey, this is, this is powerful stuff. And when you get baptized and you have people coming out of the water and you're like, hey, 
there's miraculous living ahead of you. If you haven't experienced it already, it's there for all of us. And when we get to heaven, we're going to want our funerals to be very, very much about Jesus, aren't we? Because he's the one worthy of all praise. So as you obey, as you give your faith prayers of God, make this true for me, then you glorify that risen Savior right now in this life. Um, as we, you guys can stand. We have communion available and prayer. Definitely get prayer if there's something that God's pricking on your heart so that the 99% of your week would be spent this way, not just here at church, okay? So please get prayer. Uh, communion is available for people that want to celebrate the risen Lord in that. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you not participate simply because the word's pretty clear. It's for believers to celebrate what's done on their behalf through the blood and the body, symbolized by the juice and the bread. And so we welcome anyone to repent of their sin, to simply confess that to Jesus, that instead of just being dead in a box going in the ground, that you would actually have life after death. That's one of the benefits of coming to Christ and giving him your life because it's effective for all of eternity. So if you do that, you're, you can pray just to him in your own heart or go over here and they'd be happy to pray with you and then partake of communion because then you're eligible, so to speak. Sound good? If you need to get your kids, you probably have a few minutes before you need to go get them. But let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that we're, we aim to live for you and to live like you and that you're able to supply us the power through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask for more of, of just victory in our lives from you and your power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that's what we ask for in our lives. Lord, let us be not of the old man ways but the new man. Just like putting on new clothes that what we do and how we act and how we treat people would be reflective of what we've experienced straight from your throne of grace. So God, may you uh, have our hearts even as we worship now and, uh, and let it spill out to those around us, even to those who we consider enemies. For your glory, your namesake, and it's in your name we pray.